Tonight on Movie Cat, we're watching Heathers. Heathers was released in 1989, was written by Daniel Waters and directed by Michael Lehman. It starred Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, Kim Walker, Lisanne Falk, and Shannon Doherty. I'm watching the 2019 Region A Blu-ray Steelbook Edition from RLJ Entertainment. Home video has come a long way since I first saw this movie on a 4x3 pan and scan VHS copy that one of my friends had taped from somewhere. I never had the chance to see it in theaters and I really wish I had because I love this film. I'm giving Heathers a B- for general audiences, but I'm giving it an A- for its target audience of young people ages 13 to 25. We'll talk more about why in a little bit. Heathers is a movie that is usually thought of as a black comedy about teen suicide, and that certainly is a theme running through the film. But in the end, Heathers is not really about suicide. All the suicides in the movie are faked or unsuccessful, except JD's in the final moments of the film. Now, it's really a comment about conformity. Heather shows us that, consequently, people's willingness to conform can be taken advantage of to gain power. And it's easier than you think, because no one wants to upset the status quo. In 1958, Viennese-born Dr. Herbert Kelman found that there are many different situations where people conform. He categorized conformity into three main types. Compliance, identification, and internalization. Compliance is based on the satisfaction derived from an action's social effect. Identification is when one gains satisfaction due to the act of conforming. Finally, when one derives satisfaction from the actual content of the new behavior, it's understood that internalization has occurred. The protagonist in the film is a teenager named Veronica, who is struggling with the pressure to conform. We're talking pressure to conform from multiple angles, from a popular clique of students known as the Heathers, to parental expectations, at school, at church, with boys, it goes on and on. And through the film, as her arc evolves, she learns what happens when she rebels and where the line is. There is a feminist bent to the film as Veronica's agency as a young woman is challenged, but this is not the main focus of the film. All the characters, even the grown-ups, are illustrative of the question of conformity in a Western society. In 1951, Polish-American Gestalt psychologist Solomon Ash found in his research that most people choose conformity because they want to fit in with a group and or because they believe the group is better informed than they are. In later experiments, scientists found that the presence of even just one other person's descent can reduce conformity as much as 80%. This presence of a dissenting ally decreases conformity because participants feel less need for social approval of the group. Heathers is awash in blatant stereotypes. By design, there is little to no subtlety to anything in Heathers, which, of course, is the point. Westerberg High School student Veronica paddles through life trying to keep her head down among her friends, the Heathers, a group of three girls all named Heather. The Heathers indulge in power-tripping pranks and high snobbery intended to illustrate to the rest of the cowed students exactly who is in charge. Veronica clearly does not like the Heathers or the state of her school, but does nothing to change things and even goes along with the Heathers' bad behavior. According to Kelman's research, Veronica is compliant. The school environment was in a state of equilibrium where everyone knew their place when a new student is injected into the story. JD is the catalyst that disrupts the school and starts off the drama. JD is a force of rebellion and his mere presence causes change. Veronica's relationship with the Heathers begins to crack, perhaps inspired by JD. Veronica and Heather go to a college party where Heather submits to a college boy's pressure to perform fellatio. She is shown to be disgusted with herself for the act, but she does it anyway. At the same time, Veronica does not accept a different college boy's advances, turning against the pressure. When Heather finds out, the two get into a fight. 
The scene is significant because it illustrates that any defiance of the peer pressure to conform is both a threat to Heather's power and a challenge to the community's stability in a broader sense. Heather is not pleased and threatens to excommunicate Veronica. After the party, Veronica begins a romance with JD. The next morning, before Heather can retaliate against Veronica's disobedience, Veronica and JD attempt to equalize the situation. Veronica's plan is to embarrass Heather by inducing her to vomit, but they end up accidentally poisoning her. Veronica and JD cover up the murder by making it seem as though Heather committed suicide. After Heather's death, the community seems to be pulled out of their mindless stupors briefly, but soon things fall back into place as they have fallen into identification conformity. There is a temporary power vacuum among the students. The two Heathers don't seem able to fill the shoes of their former leader. JD, empowered by the murder, privately embarks on a campaign to murder other students, sweeping up Veronica with his charm. Kurt and Ram, two senior jocks, are revealed as harassers and bullies. Veronica defies them, and once again, the powerful students pay the price. JD and Veronica shoot them and stage a homosexual double suicide scene to besmirch the two jocks. Again, the community reacts, and again, they fall back into their similar patterns of conformity. The reaction of the community seems to indicate that the school is incapable of breaking away or enacting any long-lasting change, and perhaps not just the school, but maybe the entirety of society, due to their internalized conformity. This sentiment is reflected in JD's final appeal to Veronica during the climax. An increasingly guilt-ridden Veronica dumps JD. JD then recruits Heather Duke to take the place of Heather Chandler, and she gladly accepts because of her own internalized conformity. Now, JD has maneuvered himself to be her puppet master through blackmail. Duke successfully gains Chandler's power through teasing, bullying, and manipulating the students, as though hurting them back into place. The students eagerly revert back to the status quo ante because of their own identification and or internalized conformity. Veronica has a dream about killing Heather Duke with JD and realizes that she must stop him. In effect, she is putting an end to the student's compliance and identificative conformity. She fakes her suicide, and a grief-stricken JD reveals his plot to blow up the entire school. The next day, JD plants bombs under the bleachers where the school will later be holding a pep rally. Finally, he plants a large bomb under the gym. The bombs could kill everyone in the school. Veronica confronts JD, and they fight as the pep rally thunders in the gym above them almost as if the students were watching the fight and cheering for these gladiators. The imagery of the pep rally and the bombs is very telling. The pep rally is the ultimate symbol of internalized conformity. The bombs, the ultimate destruction. Veronica shoots JD. This ends the fight, but it is not the end of him. Outside the school, JD confronts Veronica one last time. He finally blows himself up with the bomb that was intended for the school in the film's only actual suicide. Veronica then assumes Heather's rank and walks off into the distance. Veronica's mind seemingly is changed by JD after all, as she takes Heather's mantle. Veronica now believes a benevolent dictator is the solution to a community that seemingly cannot think for themselves. The film's denouement may be the most hopeless and disturbing aspect of the film. I've often thought that Heather's would be an amazing film if it were remade as a drama, but now I'm not so sure. Daniel Waters' script is seemingly dependent on Gallo's humor in order to effectively deliver the meaning of his satire. It's that humor that makes Heathers. Waters' criticism applies to our entire society, not solely high school life. In order to do this, he distills the issue of conformity down to a fundamental substrate, a stereotypical high school serving as a microcosm of the community of Sherwood, Ohio, and, in essence, the whole of American bourgeois culture. Waters' script is pretty harsh with the stereotypes, and Michael Lehman runs with it, amplifying everything to great comic effect. The nerds are the most nerdy. The jocks are the most jockish. The stoners are the most blitzed out stoners ever. 
And of course, the popular girls' clique are the most ruthless and narcissistic. The characters in Heathers are not realistic by any means and are oversimplified as a way of driving that point home. It also makes for a good comedy petri dish. The issue at the heart of Heathers is that of conformity. While conformity and rebellion are usually associated with the transformation from adolescence into adulthood, the filmmakers are commenting on conformity and passivity in society at large by using a high school setting, as that's where these issues are the most highlighted in our culture. This transformative teenage experience is used by Waters to illustrate the choice we, as members of this society, all have. We can choose to conform to the rules that others have set up, or we can choose to go our own way. Or maybe we find a place somewhere in the middle. It's this choice that is the basis for the film's chief metaphor, suicide. It's pretty clear how the filmmakers feel about conformity. They view it as suicide, self-imposed death. But instead of death of the personality, they illustrate it as death of the body. Waters is asking the audience which is more important. Ms. Fleming says, whether to kill yourself or not is one of the most important decisions a teenager can make. Now read that again. Whether to kill your personality or not is one of the most important decisions a teenager can make. Indeed, to go along through life without thinking for yourself is an important decision. In fact, it often is a choice that people take a pass on. After all, to think for oneself takes energy, intelligence, and risk. Embracing conformity makes the students susceptible to manipulation. Part of the problem at Westerberg High, and in turn our society, is that the students don't take the issue seriously. Students' reactions to their peers' deaths include self-serving TV interviews, the creation of a yearbook spread celebrating the death of Heather Chandler, popular music group Big Fun makes a pop song about suicide, and indeed makes big fun of the problem, etc. It's this environment that allows for the other big issue in the film, power specifically the achievement and abuse of it. Maintaining power over the other students is what the Heathers are all about. The clique is able to get away with anything they want because the student body chooses not to get out of line and instead continue along their stereotype-defined roles. But Waters adds another layer because the students of Westerberg High are not choosing suicide. They are being murdered. This reveals another comment about conformity, and this time from the other direction. In Heathers, if suicide is a metaphor for the self-annihilation of one's personality, then murder is a metaphor for that same destruction but caused by an external power, peer pressure. That external power is what the Heathers wield. You either choose to keep your head down or someone else holds it down. The powerful cliques at Westerberg are powerful because they take advantage of the other students and teachers for being sheep. The Heathers can get away with anything they want because no one will stop them. Sound familiar? No one is willing to go against the grain and break the status quo because no one wants to pay the price and be ostracized. That is the threat that the Heathers make. It's just easier to go along to get along. It's this idea that motivates JD. He wants to wake the students up, but they seem to be unwakeable. What JD misses is that the students are awake and they have already chosen. Waters' comment is that the real world has also done so. Even after three suicides, uh, murders, even after three deaths, the school community slips back into its old ways. It could be argued that JD is benevolently motivated. He wants the community to live harmoniously, but is frustrated by human nature. In JD's final rant at Veronica, he states, the only place where different social types can genuinely get along with each other is in heaven. JD doesn't see any other solution than to kill the powerful in order to achieve a better society. But as this method continually fails, JD escalates his plan to the scale of mass murder. Veronica, the heroine, sees the flaw in JD's solution and realizes that not only is murder wrong, but that it can't solve the problem of the powerful taking advantage of the conforming weak. Veronica, tomorrow someone else is just going to move into her place, 
That person could be me. Interesting that this is exactly what happens. Okay, so why did I give this movie a B- for general audiences and an A- for its target audience? Heather suffers from some basic movie-making flaws. This was Michael Lehman's first feature, and his inexperience shows, but he gets through it mostly because of the outstanding script and brilliant casting. But that's not the only thing holding Heather's back. The production continually falls back on the idea that the movie is a straightforward comedy. And it is a comedy, but the script is much more complex and intelligent than that. None of the deeper meanings and themes in the script are expressed in any other way than completely obviously. The production was clearly walking a very thin line in this movie dealing with some very heavy topics. It would have been easy for the filmmakers to fall into some very inappropriate treatments of these serious issues, which would ruin the movie and possibly some careers. As a result, the production finds itself a little bit out of step with the script and relies on conventional comedy filmmaking to play it safe. This is most clearly shown in the production design. Heather is the powerful one, so she wears red. Veronica is the calm, thoughtful one, she wears blue. JD is the bad guy, he wears black, and on and on. Boring and cliche, but safe. Heather's is technically competent, but has very little to offer visually. Most scenes are shot plainly, lit flatly, and blocked for efficiency. The camera work and lighting are sufficient and only occasionally offer something meaningful, such as the brief shot of Heather Duke basking in the morning sunlight after she has effectively taken over the powerful position left by Heather Chandler, her goal attained. But when Veronica enters the scene, the cinematography falls back into plain, straightforward lighting. There is an evolution in the mood of the film as the plot moves closer towards an ominous ending, but again, the filmmakers try to rein in the script by keeping the production light. The music in Heather's is a real high point, however simplistic. The score by David Newman is unique and interesting with a twinge of mystery. Listening to it now, it is rooted in the timbre of the 80s, but that's a good thing. The acting in Heather's is dead perfect. Cast members were young and at the beginning of their careers with only a few roles under their belts. Heathers is primarily remembered for the characters that these young actors created. Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, Kim Walker, Lisanne Falk, Shannon Doherty, and the rest of the cast all delivered their characters with a perfect balance of crisp sincerity and ironic sarcasm. Lehman deserves kudos for guiding the cast to performances that work so well with each other. The movie was originally intended for young viewers, teenage to college age, and for this target audience, I give it an A-. The film obviously has a broader and long-lasting appeal. General and older audience will find Heather's fun and it might strike a chord with some, but for the most part, the basic filmmaking efforts won't impress them. So for this group, it gets a B-. Overall, Heather's is a fantastic movie, but has some problems as far as the director's vision. And I think from a technical point of view, the movie is successful in conveying its message. We remember Heather's as being one of our all-time favorites. Today, the film pulls heavily on our nostalgia strings and still lives up to our modern standards. Heather's is a film very much of its time and might or might not be made today. Cultural norms and shared societal experiences, for example, school shootings, since the film's 1989 release, have changed the way the movie would be received today as a new release. Still, Heather's did influence teen films after its release. We could call it a hinge film. Before Heather's, popular high school and teen-related movies were along the optimistic lines of a John Hughes film. After Heather's release, the hinge bent teen films in a different direction, and we started seeing cliques and conformity treated in the manner of Clueless, Mean Girls, and Bring It On. Post-Columbine, teen-oriented films took a more serious turn with the likes of Elephant and L.I.E. In the last five to seven years, we've seen a return to goofier teen comedies, as we've entered the era of Superbad and Project X. Perhaps general audiences are just a little afraid of the more serious stuff.
Hey movie cats. Whenever I watch a movie, there's always some nagging questions that linger with me. Small things that get stuck in my head. Here's just a few from Heathers. Does anyone remember what a swatch is? Is the cemetery the same one as in Nightmare on Elm Street? How did Otho become a priest? Okay, cow tipping isn't a real thing, is it? How many cartons of milk are Carton Ram drinking in the lunch scene? What is JD Stereo covered in? Lethal Attraction may be a better name from a marketing standpoint. Why did Daniel Waters pick the word Eskimo? What spy novel is Mr. Sawyer reading? What does Paul Westerberg think of the movie? Thanks for listening. I may never figure them all out. Hey, movie cats. I'm just a puppet, but there are real cats out there that need your help, really. Please take some time to locate the cat shelter that is nearest to you and make a donation. And if you're in need of some love, as we all are, you can adopt a cat from that shelter and improve your life, as well as the lives of our feline friends. Thanks so much for your help.